0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state, coverage options are selected by the customer, availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com ringernfl ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need, indeed.
1: It is the Ring Around NFL Show, part of our podcast network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined on a Sunday night by Nora Princiati. Nora, hello. Kevin! Everything's good What insane. was that? What was that? Steven Ruiz is also here. Hello, Steven. Ah! That was my attempt <laughs> to do what she just did.
2: Guys, no one's okay. There was going to be a tie, and then there wasn't a tie, and we're all losing our minds, and our pets' heads are falling off.
3: I'm not going to be able to sleep for like three days.
1: Uh, ben Solak is on IR, designated to return. He's our Derek Henry. He'll be back next week. He has texted me some takes, um, so those will be thrown in intermittently throughout the uh, podcast, which we're very excited about. He is uh, also confused about the first game we're going to talk about, which is the... Raiders overtime victory over the Chargers, 35-32. The game ended on a 47-yard field goal with two seconds left uh, after an epic game. Uh, There's so much to unpack. Um, The first thing we need to unpack is the game management strategy from Brandon Staley, where it looked like the Raiders were content to drain the clock, or at least I think this game would have ended on a kind of a fake Hail Mary, kind of like a, oh, we tried kind of thing, and then they would take the tie. That, of course, would have kept... The Steelers out of the playoffs, both teams would have made it. Um, classic kind of um, economist, you know, kind of game theory kind of thing, prisoner's dilemma. Um, but the timeout from Brendan Staley changed the calculus. Derek Carr admitted as such. Uh, that meant that the Raiders went for the first down. They got it. Uh, they kicked the field goal. Nora, what'd you think?
2: Okay, hold on. In a classic, nobody needed to win this game. In a classic prisoner's dilemma, this is an easier question than a classic prisoner's dilemma, because in a classic prisoner's dilemma, the best individual outcome is not to cooperate, but the best collective outcome is to cooperate. In this scenario, both the best individual outcome and the best collective outcome were to stop trying, particularly after for 60 plus minutes of the most insane football game I have ever witnessed. Like, you can't get fined for that. What's Roger Goodell gonna do? Be like, oh, you didn't try to win. Justin Herbert completed like eight hundred fourth downs. Anyway, my point is that I think Brandon Staley just single-handedly kept the Chargers out of the playoffs with a a with one timeout call. I I, I
3: don't. I wait. I don't understand. Like Derek Carr admitted this. I I missed this after the game. He said it changed their calculus. How though? Um, it was thirty-four. Because they form. were full
2: on not trying. They were doing an accidental. They were going to
1: drain the clock down. The clock was. There was five seconds left on the play clock. Right, they would snap it and they would they would do whatever. Run the ball, they ball they which out. they did yeah.
3: anyway, and they got the first down. Like the problem was the the Chargers couldn't stop the run. I
2: yeah you I, can't you can't that that's the problem with colluding with the Chargers is you can't just be like oh we'll run the ball.
3: I don't understand like the hand ringing over the timeout. I thought it. I don't have any problem with the timeout. The Chargers had, like, a run blitz called. They came out and gun with their
2: receivers like, spread Steven, out. Like, I would call working, a timeout, too. You're working within the realm of, like, logic and how to win a football game. The Raiders, like, did not seem interested in
1: continuing to play. I feel they're, like the Raiders should have been up. interested
3: because if they tied, they're get, yeah, the Chiefs. I, I
1: agree. I agree. So, Nora, I actually am pushing back on this. I would have tried to win the game. I think that with with two minutes left, I think it's a different kind of calculus. And maybe you just, if you would run one or two less plays. Um, but I do think that for 60 minutes and or 70 minutes, 69 minutes and, and 50 seconds, I think you probably you do try to win the game. No, no, you were no, no, higher I think that's, on the I, intentional so on. tie that's, than we that's were.
2: a That is a different thing that I will be perfectly happy to unpack in a second. That's, <laughs> the Raiders were, uh, there's value in the Raiders winning the game, right? Like I would rather mm. not play the Chiefs. Thank you very much, right. And I would also rather, if I were another AFC team, I would rather the Steelers be in the AFC playoffs than the Chargers be in the AFC playoffs. Like I, there are reasons to play for the win, even though a tie would have gotten both teams into the playoffs. What I'm saying is that the reason I think people are are noticing and why Derek Carr was saying that the timeout changed the mindset is because I it seemed as though at that point in the game, the Raiders' mindset was like, Everybody good try, good effort, shake hands. We're all in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the timeout seemed to be the thing that shifted that.
3: But my my thing is, like, what was the play call before the timeout? Because it wasn't a kneel. They were in the gun. Was it like, oh, this is our bad run play. And now we're going to call pass, our good run play. Yes.
0: A yeah. But a
1: pass I, I is going is, for yeah. the first down more than a run. would have been a fourth. Right, I, I understand. But it would have been a fourth down if they right. I mean, it, it's it's. First of all, it's unknowable. And also, I just want to be fair to Derek Carr. He also said that they did want to win the game. They, they wanted to win the game. He said he texted with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers gave him some advice as well. So they wanted to win the game. Um, they weren't going for the tie. I just think that, Nora, I agree with you that it looked extremely lackadaisical before that timeout. They were, I think they was, wanted to
2: win the game at 8 o'clock p.m. until like, I don't know, two years ago when when the middle of the fourth quarter started by the time that timeout was taken, things had changed.
1: All right, let's analyze some other parts of this game because as you said, Nora, it was one of the most amazing games I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so it it goes to overtime on a last second touchdown that was as interesting as anything. It was as interesting a drive as I've seen in my entire life. Um, Mike Williams gets the 12-yard touchdown pass. I believe, I want to get the stats here, for fourth down on the game, the Chargers were six of seven. Like, that's all you need to know. Um, the Chargers were four of 18 on third down and then six of seven on fourth down. Um, Steven, as a Herbertologist at this point, what did you see out of him tonight? My comparison is this looked like
3: the Super Bowl with what Patrick Mahomes was going up against, except for like Herbert played out of his mind and actually moved the offense down the field and scored touchdowns. Like, he was under duress <laughs> all game long. His receivers could not catch a pass that he was putting right on their hands. They didn't have a run game, and they kept running the ball early on in the game. It wasn't until midway through the fourth quarter that they went over 50% run pass on early downs, like 50% pass. So they I don't know why they were running the ball for the first three and a half quarters, but then they waited till the end of the game to put it in Herbert's hands, and he did what he did. It was one of the most impressive quarterbacking performances I've ever seen. I am biased because I am such a Herbert defender. Would you guys back that statement up?
2: I, I 100%. He was unbelievable. Every single other person on his offense was actively undermining his individual effort.
1: I wouldn't go that far. Let's. let's
2: okay. I was, uh, I was trying to do a little Steven there. Come I, on. I, I,
1: I actually don't think that it was as dramatic as, as Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I mean, Mahomes in the Super Bowl, that was the biggest um, discrepancy between pressured quarterbacks in the history of football. Like, ever in the history of football. Like, it was a little different tonight. Um, yeah, but Matt Filer
2: that... was, like, having a great season before he started cheating for the Steelers.
1: Um, That's not Storm a thing Nor- I really Stor- think. Storm Norton is, uh, is not going in the Chargers Hall of Fame. No. Probably not. No.
3: No, no obviously, uh, like, Mahomes had more pressure to keep up with Brady and Derek Carr, one of the weirder quarterbacking games i've ever seen it was like every throw was a throwaway or like a, a floated pass that was five yards past his receiver. It was, it was a weird game but i think in terms of like what he was facing individually and not you know game script i think it was comparable to what mahomes was under what kind of pressure he was under in the super bowl
1: max crosby was in his face like within two seconds every snap max crosby played out of his mind and Max Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in, in football um, at, at the moment, and you got to see that. Are either of these teams particularly – so actually, let's go through the the playoff schedule now before we get to start talking about hypothetical matchups here. So, um, Or actually, not even hypothetical, real matchups. Um, Raiders at Bengals at 4.30 on Saturday. Patriots at Bills at 8.15 on Saturday. Eagles at Bucks 1 p.m. on Sunday. 49ers, Cowboys 4.30 on Sunday. 8 o'clock Sunday, Steelers at Chiefs. And then 8.15 on Monday, Monday Night Football in the playoffs, uh, the Cardinals at the Rams. So it's Raiders at Bengals. Um, Do you think, Nora, that this, you know, obviously the matchups were changing over the course of the game. We know that now. We know now it's Raiders versus Bengals. Is this a good matchup? Can this team make make noise having seen what you saw tonight?
2: Yeah. um, Yes. I think they have it in them because I do think that the defense is strong enough the the, the pass rush is strong enough where if they are just going to consistently get this type of wrecking pressure, the Bengals offensive line is, is fragile enough that they could make an impact. I mean, the Bengals offense and Burrow and those receivers have the potential to play out of their minds in a way that Carr does not. They got Darren Waller back, which is significant, although he didn't do a ton in this, but it, I don't think that they could keep up in a shootout, but I do think that their defense could impact Burrow, particularly because of the offensive line.
1: Steven, same question. I mean, like it, I, my inclination is that I, I think the Bengals are going to win kind of comfortably. But I think that we've pro- probably been underrating the Raiders all season on this podcast. Um, where do you go with this?
3: Yeah, this is a, I think these teams already played each other and the rate. Uh, the Bengals won pretty easily. But I do agree with Nora. Like if the if the Raiders are going to stand a chance, it's going to be the pass rush going up against that bad offensive line. If Max Crosby has a game like he did tonight, and that's very possible against a bangle a bad Bengals offensive line, then I think they have a chance to stay in it. My one concern would be that I don't think you're going to get those those. Dropped passes. I don't know if you can consider them dropped passes, but there was contested catch situations that the Chargers receivers didn't win on. But I think the Bengals receivers will win on those. And that will be a big difference between this game we saw on Sunday night and the game we're going to see next weekend.
1: By the way, uh, Solak's text take is that the Raiders wanted to tie, and Staley didn't let them. In all caps, um, what was the craziest moment of the game for you guys? Not counting the timeout and all that stuff, like we saw, there were like a hundred things where I was just I was floating just because it was such good football, or not even good. Good, good might be the wrong word. Like it was just football. It was maximum football. Was there a moment where you guys were just like, "This has gotten completely out of hand"?
2: Well, the the when it got to the point where, so yes, I was team you play to tie the game from the start. Now I want to not sound like a crazy person. I did not think that they were actually going to do this. I thought there was absolutely zero chance that they would do that. I do think that we should acknowledge as part of our conversation about the game, that the obvious best thing to do, the objective best outcome for both teams would have been to make this a non-competitive exercise, but -hmm. that was not going to happen. And, And there's a possibility like, you know, the league could have fined people or or whatever. I would love to know if anybody made a call. Like, did anybody just feel it out? Try to
1: no. Try to no. take the no pulse way. on any. No way. There would have been investigations. Um, but d- but it, hold, as on, far hold as the... on, hold on, hold okay. on. Here's
2: here's the craziest moment. Was when um after the Chargers field goal in overtime, when you can see on the players' faces that everybody is like confronted with this situation that they never legitimately imagined they could be in. And think about what a football game is like in that moment. It's chaos. Like no one knows what everybody else is thinking. Everybody is sort of trying to like look around them and go, is this still the thing that we thought it was? What are we supposed to do here? Like that was an incredibly surreal experience to have the merging of these two things that had been like a fun hypothetical thing to talk about of Mm -hmm. like, at what point does actual interest in just being able to make the playoffs without trying versus the realities of, you know, needing to, to compete and do all this stuff. Like seeing those things actually come up against each other and figure out what the tipping point would be when all of a sudden people are actually considering not trying to win fascinating.
1: I agree. So the two things for me, Steven, and maybe you have the same, maybe you have different. So the two things for me, were, first of all, the third and eight in overtime to Zay Jones, which was just an unbelievable pass. that completely changed every the entire flow of the game. If they, if they punt there, that everything changes from there, then we're not even in position for first day to call the timeout. The other one obviously is the one that got them to the 12 yard line at the end of regulation, which was a, which was to Guyton. And, and that was, I think yes. it was 17 yards. And that was just an unbelievable throw. It was. It was. I think there was some probably that could have gone either way in the review because the ball, the ball was bobbling around, but it was an unbelievable catch. I mean, that to me. I mean, everything that had to happen to go perfectly. Like when Collinsworth was like, you couldn't even write a movie like this, like it would be an incredibly long and drawn out movie. It was just thing after thing, after thing, like the script writer would have been like, can we just consolidate this into like two plays? It was like 15 of them. It was just, it it was an assault of good football or interesting football. At least I've never said anything like what stood out for you, Ruiz.
3: I I think that last drive, but if I had to pick one moment and this happened before, like the game really got drunk was the fourth down in their own territory. I think they were on the 18 yard line. The Chargers going for it. And it wasn't so much the decision to go for it, which I I understand why people push back against that, even though the analytics say that's the right way to do it in that situation. But that call, running Austin Eckler, who's like 5'8", up the middle, against a defensive line that you haven't been able to block for two games straight. They couldn't block the Raiders in the first game. And making that call, when you have Justin Herbert, who is a massive human being, the biggest player on the field, if you're not counting defensive lineman, I, I didn't understand that at all. And honestly, I think it ended up working out because the steel or the chargers fell behind enough where they gave the, uh the, they gave the game to Herbert and he led them back. But that call, man, like I'm not one of these people that are going to say like Staley is overrated and he should be on the hot seat, but that was,
1: that was bad.
3: That didn't look good.
1: Um, There's a lot of video coming out post game of the, of the Chargers players basically grilling the Raiders and what their strategy was at the end and being very frustrated. We'll have to find out what exactly was happening there, but that, that seems to be the general gist is that they were trying to pump them information. The game's been over for like 10 minutes. We're going to find out a hell of a lot more, especially the press conferences haven't even happened. We're, I, this is going to be like, for the first half of this week, people are going to be talking about this a lot. Anything else in this game, guys? Can I the pick one more insane not... moment? Yes. No. The two-point conversion the first, on the first touchdown
3: uh-huh. When Herbert like held onto the ball for like five seconds and went through every read in his progression was like one of the best quarterbacking plays I've seen this year. Because you could watch like Tom Brady's whole career and he probably has gotten to his fifth read like three times. And for right. him to do it under that pressure in that situation is crazy.
1: What were we going to say, Nora, about the broadcast? The
2: broadcast did not show the coaches meeting after the game, they showed the quarterbacks right. like looking dumbfounded at each other, but they didn't show the coaches meeting. I need that film. Somebody
1: give it to me. Somebody find it. Come on. I just want to do 15 seconds on this. If, if they had tied like that, do you think there would have been any? any? I think, I think if there was any evidence, remember, everybody's all mic'd up. That's the problem. If you were actually going to collude, I don't think they would ever would have colluded. I don't think they're, they're dumb enough to actually do that. But what I'm asking you is if they had let the clock run down, what would have happened? Would the league have said anything? Like what? What game that out for me? If it was just totally natural and they just let the clock run out with, um, you know, w- or just taking that that kind of hail mary kind of thing or whatever.
2: I think at that point in the game, like, what do you say about it? First of all, the NFL has gotten like the NFL's objective is to get what it wants, right? And the NFL at the, that point has gotten everything that it could possibly want it has probably the best playoff field that it it could have gotten, which would have been both of these teams making it over the Steelers. Sorry, Pittsburgh. It also got an insanely wild and competitive Sunday night football game. I think they just let it slide. Now here's the, here's the thing. What if that happens and everybody's mic'd up, you know, that there was no, like nobody ordered the code red, but you see the coaches like, Lock eyes from across the field, and there's an Aaron Rodgers Tomlin style, like nod,
1: up. no gesture. No, they would never, they would never do that. It'd be the complete opposite of that.
3: But mm-hmm. what if be like it wasn't when, be real? Like, what if it, it would was be an like accident? When you're,
1: you're buying beer when you're underage or something, and you're just completely natural. Yeah. Just, uh, nobody says anything. The I guy think behind the counter vic- is not like, you're underage. You know, I'm letting you buy this beer when you're underage. No, you just let it happen.
3: Mm-hmm. You don't tempt fate, but I, I you don't tempt I fate. Think- I don't think anything would have came of it. I, I think I feel like teams have kneeled out I at the end of overtime of just to clinch a tie. And the Raiders could very easily argue that that was the best thing to do in their in the interest of their season.
2: Also, teams in week 18 try to not win all the time. Like I understand that I'm clinging desperately to logical reasoning that does not really apply to this situation because what applies to this situation is what Roger Cadell wants, but Let's not pretend that everybody is trying their hardest on every snap the last week of the season when it doesn't interest their
1: football team. All right. So here, so um, the, the Raiders, according to the postgame press conferences, had conversations among the coaching staff about t- just taking the tie after Jacob's 10-yard rush on third down. They decided to kick. That doesn't really answer anything. That doesn't answer what they were going to do on third down before the timeout. So, right. I, I'm Are they more saying like,
3: yeah, I, we weren't going to take a 65-yard field goal? We weren't going
1: to run a play. We were just going to run around. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, we're going to have more questions and answers here for for kind of a while.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
1: All right, let's uh, move on to a game that's just as confusing, um, but in a different way. It's Jack Jaguars 26, Colts 21. Um, a couple weeks ago, I said on this podcast that, I talked to a couple people around the league and that nobody wanted to face the Colts in the playoffs. Well, the good news is, uh, is those folks don't have to worry about it because the Colts, uh, embarrassed themselves. Now, a lot of people said that this game was like the 2003 Vikings Cardinals game. If you don't remember the Cardinals, uh, won in the last play of the game, kept the, uh, kept that pretty good Vikings team out of the playoffs. The difference there is that that game was close. This game was just an embarrassment. The, the Colts got whipped. Um, the Jaguars fans, fan base, showed up in clown wigs, and, and the Colts left with them. Um, this was awful. Uh, they got stuffed on short yardage conversions. Um, they just do, do everything. Everything was bad. Every part of the game was bad. Um, the offensive line of the Colts uh, allowed 19 pressures. Um, Quentin Nelson, who had had four games in a row of a completely clean Uh, pass protection. He surrendered three pressures, two hurries and a sack, according to PFF. Um, Roy Robertson Harris was in the Colts' backfield all afternoon, according to PFF. Um, This was not supposed to happen. This was awful. Stephen, help me out here. What happened?
3: Well, for one, Trevor Lawrence waited until week 18 to look like the first overall pick. I think that was one of the bigger takeaways from this game, is he finally looked like the quarterback That was promised. He's shown Mm -hmm. flashes throughout this year, but this was the first time he put it all together, and it was just flash, flash play after flash play after flash play. He made a couple throws that were just amazing, and then obviously Carson Wentz. I mean, I know the I was going to say I was going to say
1: it takes more than a good Trevor Lawrence game for this to happen. I,
3: but like you said last week, like we know this is what Carson Wentz does. This is what he does, and I mean I don't think the Colts should be surprised that Carson Wentz threw away the season. That's what he did. He just. Finds a way to make a bad play worse consistently every week, and he's been doing it for four years now, and I don't know how. You could be surprised by it. I feel like this is, a, this is a turning point for this Colts organization, the front office. I, I think it's going to be hard to come back from this. I think they've lost the faith of their fan base now. You gave up a first-round pick to a, for a guy that literally threw away your season.
1: By the way, the Patriots beat the Jaguars 50 to 10 last week. Right. So this isn't like the surging. This isn't the surging Jaguars. This is the, this is a pretty bad Jaguars team. that was headed nowhere. And the Colts made them look like uh, a legitimate NFL team. Um, this was bad. Nora?
2: Wentz was not good. I'm fully, fully, fully on board with that. But like the idea of Carson Wentz throwing away a pivotal game at the end of the year, like that, that does not feel like something I can't pretty easily fathom. If you had told me this morning that the Colts were going to lose to the Jaguars while their offensive line gave up 19 pressures and six sacks and just got routinely messed with
1: Manhandled. by the
2: Jaguars, what? I would have been really, really, really surprised by that statement. Yeah, I would have probably been more receptive to the there's going to be a crazy situation in which two teams are encouraged not to try.
3: The Jaguars last three games before this, they gave up 50 points to the Patriots. They lost to the Jets and they lost by 14 points to the Texans. Like Kevin said, this was not a surging Jaguars team. This is arguably one of the lowest points in Colts franchise history. And this is a team I,
1: I, I agree. that bolted I, in the night 40 years ago. I us <laughs> well, not. Go that far. This is one of the most embarrassing things. I don't know what was going on before the merger. I'm not a huge pre-merger guy. This is one of the most embarrassing things since the merger. Like, all things considered, this is one of the... I I don't know how you would rate that exactly, but I couldn't imagine anything more embarrassing.
2: Look, like, the Raiders seem kind of feisty now, but it matters that the Colts needed to win just one of two games against teams that while there is a huge difference between the Raiders and the Jaguars, both were beatable, right? Like if you want to call yourself a playoff team, either one of those should be winnable games. They could not win either one of those games. Two teams with interim head coaches that have gone through a whole lot of nonsense. And it's not the thing about the Colts, right? Is like, we've never had conversations about the Colts where we've been like, Oh my God, Carson Wentz is amazing. The Colts are amazing. The Colts can win the Super Bowl, but the Colts are so routinely not an embarrassment. And then they played the team with the clown fans and they did this. And it's just like, what? I'm upset.
3: So unless it's the just... Colts can, unless the Colts can trade Wentz, they're going to be on the hook for 15 million in dead cap next year. Well, that's the really traded a
1: first round pick for him.
3: In addition to that. I mean, they Definitely. almost have to eat that cap hit. I feel like they can't go into next year with this guy as the starter.
1: Well, shouldn't they just at least have some backup where... It's. I mean, I was gonna say like a Case Keenum type, but the funny thing is, is the Browns had a Case Keenum type, and they only used him when Baker Mayfield was was beyond repair. So who who knows about that? But somebody like that, where they can at least come in and give you something when Carson, like well, I think that the problem is not having Carson Wentz in the roster. They've made their bet. They traded a first round pick for him. Um, he played enough uh, to the point that, that 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 became the first. He's going to be expensive next year. That's the situation they're in. The problem is not that necessarily. It is a problem, but it's not the problem. The problem is that in a day like today, you need to say, Carson, you're about to ruin our season. Go sit down for a couple quarters. That's that was that in my opinion, that that might have been the problem. And just bring in a professional quarterback to just make games make something happen. Well, I'm just saying in this, they would have made the playoffs seasons. if they had if they were able to just do something like this. And in and it was interesting, I was reading I was reading a lot of the Colts writers afterwards, and they are basically saying this was a, a complete failure at every level. At the Chris Bauer level, I was reading um, The Athletic earlier, and they are talking about you know the the miscalculation at edge rusher today. There was not a lot of pressure um, today, especially off the edges, and that's been a problem all season, basically. And um, But I still think Chris Bauer is top three GM, top five at worst. I think that you know Frank Reich is a really good coach. They had no energy today, no energy. They 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 came out. I know this is anti scientific, but they just came out flat, and you could see it. There was just not. There was no juice. There was no push. There was no anything. And I think that the scientific diagnosis here is that they thought that they were going to win this game by five scores, and they didn't. And I don't know what that is. You know, I mean, one of the things. Listen, I'm sure Frank Reich took this game seriously and all that stuff, but one of the things that Bill Belichick does so well is he hypes up a team that they're playing, even the Jaguars, as if they're the 85 Bears. Uh, when, I, when I was in college, I covered an NFL team, and at the, the 2007 Dolphins, a sophomore in college, and I was, I was um, listening to a conference call, and the Dolphins are going 1-15 that year. That was the Cleo Lemon year, the Cam Cameron year, all that stuff. And <laughs> they asked Bill Belichick like, what he saw of the Dolphins, and he was like, Ronnie Brown is the best player I've seen in, in football this year. And then he was like, and then someone was like, how do you not be overcome? The Dolphins were like, oh, and nine. It was the Moss game. It was the Cameron Royal yeah. Moss game. And Belichick was just like, I have no idea why I would be confident in this game. Like, I have no idea. Like, are we favorites? I have no idea. And like, that is the attitude you always have to have. And you never see a Belichick team get caught like this. And all I'm saying is, is that whatever attitude the Colts had coming into this game, it was the exact wrong attitude to have because they came out with nothing.
2: Does does Belichick forget to have that attitude every time the Patriots have to play the Dolphins in Miami?
1: The Dolphins are feisty. The Dolphins feisty. are a lot. <laughs> I'm just than kidding. The I totally agree with you. Also,
2: some wild Belichick quotes out there about Sam Darnold.
1: The only time that happened was when remember they lost to the when Jim Bates was the interim coach in 2004. I think they went down and lost. That was the only time where it was just like, oh my god, I can't believe he lost. this. I, I mean, I yeah. just want
3: to, I just want to point out that uh, like. A couple minutes ago, Nora referred to the Jaguars as beatable, which is the nicest thing anybody has said <laughs> about the Jaguars all year long.
2: Okay, technically I was referring to the Raiders as beatable, but...
1: <laughs> you lumped them in there, though.
2: Admittedly, lumping those two together...
1: But yeah, and also the Patriots did, did lose home field a couple of years ago in Miami. So maybe maybe, maybe Belichick is washed is, is, is the point we're all trying to make here. <laughs> maybe That's he's what specifically
2: saying. washed when they have to play <laughs> yeah. the... All the yeah, Colts
1: go it's... get Marcus Mariota, by the
3: way. That's my take on the Colts quarterback situation. Ooh, perfect quarterback for that offense. What does that mean? Like it's like a West Coast offense, and like they run a lot of option plays and RPOs. Like that's his game. He's not going to throw the ball away.
1: Okay. All right. I mean, I just, I, I guess that's okay. That's an okay option. I, I really don't know what, where else to go with this. I and mean, I think that the Colts, the Colts need to do a pretty deep look at their entire organization right now and figure out what exactly went wrong because. The, the problem is, and, and, and kind of going back to the athletic piece I was talking about earlier, like they have a lot of stars. The, Chris Ballard is drafted really, really well, and to come out and play this poorly shows that something in that chain is broken. You can't have that many good players and play this poorly against a crappy team that their coach got fired for kicking a kicker, and they're in disarray, and they kept Trent Baalke on, and their fans are wearing clown wigs, and they're in open revolt, and Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, won't even interview for the for the head coaching job. He doesn't want to be anywhere near this. And you're going to lose to that team. Something something is broken. Something is broken.
2: Shout out to the Jags for still having the number one pick.
1: Is that true? Because mm-hmm. the Lions? Yeah. Lions couldn't get it? Wow.
2: Great day for the Jags.
1: Niners 27, Rams 24. This would be the number one game that we talked about in any other week. Um, but not today. So this is from ESPN. The Niners came back from 17 down to clinch a playoff berth. That ties the largest comeback in a season finale ever to clinch a playoff berth. Um, the 1993 Raiders also did it against the Broncos. Um, this was a strange game. Jimmy Garoppolo's average depth the target, according to PFF, was a yard longer than it normally is. Uh, he had a hand injury all week or a thumb injury all week that everybody thought would keep him out of the game. It didn't. Steven Ruiz, what'd you think?
3: I was very impressed by Jimmy on the two last drives. Before that, it was kind of weird seeing a team try to come back with their playoff lives on the line by, like, running the ball. Every every snap, I've never seen a comeback like that. But you have to give Jimmy credit, and I criticize him a lot, but that one throw to Debo Samuel where Ramsey, like, dove and almost got a piece of the ball, that was one of the better plays I've ever seen him make, and I frankly did not think he had it in him. He usually panics in that situation. For him to find, like, a second option... Really good play by Jimmy. And then in overtime, I mean, I thought he continued to play well. He was making tough throws over the middle into tight windows. That's what you want to see Jimmy Garoppolo doing. I really think this team, and I'm, I'm taking a step ahead. I think they could beat the Cowboys quite frankly, based on how that offense has looked when they're not playing against backups in
1: Washington. Wow. Um, Nora.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, Hysterical because this sort of seemed like the moment when Cal Shannon was kind of like, All right, I have to accept that the life I've chosen is living and dying by Jimmy Garoppolo and screw it. And the weird thing is, but weirdly, but also
1: weirdly, weirdly, he didn't. She she tried to opt out of that life and didn't work. And now he's back in it.
2: Right. And now he's just like (laughs) accepting it. And also because like the thumb injury, it's like what we went through with Russell Wilson earlier in the season, he can't really like play under center. Because of his thumb. So he kind of has to just like throw the ball. And it's hysterical. Right. Um, I just love the idea that Kyle Shanahan is like caught in this like monster of his own creation that's actually kind of good. Um, and clearly like Jimmy was pretty bad early in the game, but then he just he made some really good throws and he actually made some explosive plays. And Debo Samuel is amazing and probably is gonna throw more passes than Trey Lance in the playoffs, and that's the life that we're living.
1: Um, okay, so I want to talk about this this Cowboys game here, Nora. Um, do you agree with Stephen's take?
2: Uh, huh, 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 huh. do I agree that they uh, Stephen restate your take? Was it like they can I, win? Yeah, I, I'm picking be the, the Cowboys. Cowboys. It, okay. It's not that's not going to like shock me, but I, I think the Cowboys are are have returned to being on one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is Dibio Samuel the best player in football? Like what is going on with? He can do everything.
2: I think that that like there might be like a legitimate argument for that, other than Aaron I, Donald.
3: I saw someone on Twitter suggest that we should give Debo the Heisman, and I agree with that. Like give him the Heisman. The current like instead of Bryce Young, yeah, take it away from Bryce Young, give it to or give him like Reggie Bush's Heisman.
1: <laughs> Why don't we give Reggie <laughs> like Bush's a loose Heisman? Heisman. Back? There's got to be like a loose back? Heisman out there. I think OJ's is for sale somewhere in the <laughs> in the ether. Um, let's complain about Matthew Stafford here for a second. So both of his interceptions were on deep passes. He was under pressure all day long. And and the Lots. San Francisco D line is nasty. And I don't think that we should really, you know, criticize him on every single throw because first of all, he played well for the stretches of the game, but second of all, he was under fire. Um, but are you worried, Steven, about this Rams team going into the playoffs? Uh,
3: yes, but not because of Matthew Stafford and how he's playing. I thought the interceptions, I don't think they were that bad. He said after the game, he just underthrew the one in overtime. And I agree with that. I don't th- it wasn't a bad decision. And then the first one came on third and Wait, 17. I, I
1: actually do. I think that was just an awful pass. And, and by the way, yeah. I believe he and Trevor Lawrence are tied in the NFL for interceptions this year. I think mean, they both have 17 like, Matthew if, Stafford
2: occasionally does that.
1: Yeah, no, but I just we're going into the playoffs here, and he's throwing some real bad passes, and I don't, I don't think you can chalk it up to that's not bad. It's just a pattern of him making crappy throws. But those are hard throws. He's throwing
3: fifty yards in the air, and he misses by like two yards. I'm not gonna like say the sky is falling as long as he's not throwing the dumb interceptions he threw the week before when he was throwing pick six, pick sixes right to Ravens defenders. Like I, I can live with third and seventeen arm punts in the playoffs.
1: And I think the Rams can not Well, they was an overtime one day. was an overtime today. That wasn't an arm punt. That was just an overtime interception. Like, right. You don't no, want to no. do
3: that. No, the first one was an arm, punt. Right. yeah, the second one, I just thought he underthrew the pass. So like, I, I mean, all interceptions aren't like that bad. If, as long as you're not throwing into double coverage over the middle of the field, I'm fine. If you, he you're can do that a 50 yard. Yeah. That can I be mean, arranged. he's capable of doing that. <laughs> yeah. We've seen it a lot.
1: But uh, no, I'm Solek's, not worried about Matthew Stafford. So, text take is that the Rams cannot be trusted in the playoffs. Too hot and cold. More than just Stafford. Defense has lulls and swells. Do you agree with that, Nora?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's backed up by the, the 2021 NFL season. Right. But if they, have a, if they have a swell during the 2022 playoffs, then things might work out.
3: Here's, here's my thing. Like, what team can you not say that about
1: this season? Right. Pro- I mean, probably I, the well, Packers. Yeah. Who had one lull at the beginning no, the of the Packers, season right. and won no, the week one week one and the then answer. just kept it moving. Yeah.
2: And like are now getting all their best players besides the quarterback. So. Mm-hmm. The Packers are the only trustworthy team.
1: Well, OK, but here's here's the question now. What what do we think about the Monday night matchup with the Cardinals? Because that's another lull team. That's another swell and lull team.
2: I feel decent about the Rams.
1: I mean, I, at this point, I'm like,
3: I've given up all hope on the Cardinals. I mean, I don't know how are you they Are they on
1: Washed Watch? Or are they not even on Washed Watch? They're just washed. No, they've been canceled. Forget being washed. <laughs> they I wish one's worse than They've definitely not
2: been canceled. They're a playoff team.
3: For now. Get back you to me cancel uh, next an playoff team. Have you canceled the Titans? I'm canceling the Steelers, too. <laughs>
1: I'll cancel half the playoff field if you, if you let me. So we had a planning oh, call. God. We had a planning call. Just so the listener knows, we argue about the Titans off the air as well. We had a planning call where we argued so thoroughly. And my new take is that Steven and Ben are anti-science because they don't respect wins. Um, I trust the science. I trust the experts. And the the Titans are the number one seed. And we came to the conclusion that we know, we've know we graduated from quarterbacks are not a Oh, uh, quarterback wins are not a stat to team wins are no longer a stat that's what you guys believe results don't matter <laughs> you guys just love I'm your am staying your, out of this your, it's all about process. staley's you guys you love your offseason process like to be your, pre- your press conferences you, t- you love podcast appearances where guys explain the process you love that stuff kevin you just wrote a whole article talking about how more teams should hire
3: like accountants to be GMs those guys are yeah. on our on our side.
1: No, I th- I mean it's not specifically analytics. It's just it's a great big world out there. You don't need to just I Dave Gettleman is not need to be re- replaced by the Giants number 2 Kevin, Kevin Abrams. <laughs> Did you guys see by the way Michael Strahan is not like he's not going to be one to call out the Giants in any like vicious way, but some, someone on the pregame show said that they might promote Kevin Abrams who's been with the Giants for years and Strahan just started screaming no like what
2: <laughs> what's
1: I mean, going on guys? That organization
2: everything's out of control
3: take away the Jaguars are like, the Giants are, are the worst run team in the league right now right you take the Jaguars out
2: like part of the problem with the Giants is we are not sure if they will have a head coaching opening but let's say they did if you're a hot candidate, which call are you happier? To, I mean, I guess the the GM situation is is maybe a questionable thing for Jacksonville, but I think you're like really thinking long and hard about the the
3: words. funny thing about like the Giants' brain trust, like the three most important positions in a, in an NFL team are the head coach, the GM, and the quarterback. And like Daniel Jones is the most competent of those three, and he's like the most memeable quarterback in the
1: NFL. But that's maybe the guy you coach. have. You the Giants have botched three straight coaching hires, which is a sign that something is broken. As a University of Miami fan, where they botched four straight coaching hires, I can definitively tell you that when that happens, something is 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 wrong with the process and is wrong with the um is wrong with people making decisions. That's that's but all the I problem. Can
2: include, is no. when a team botches three straight coaching hires, then they hang on to the last mistake in coaching hire for way too long because they're embarrassed about having. Cycled through so many people so quickly, and then the cycle perpetuates.
3: Also, Miami has botched five straight coaching hires, you just don't realize it yet.
1: <laughs> um, I also can't wait for the Ringer NFL show to have like five more head coaches on this offseason where I asked everybody about their process. We just get Brandon Staley on, and we get all your darlings, Frank Reich. We're gonna get him on. We're just gonna ask about process. By the way, I make no, fun of the wait, process no. stuff. That's all we're just, not articles. In here. We're I not write.
2: firing Frank Reich.
1: No, we're keeping Frank Reich. We're also just going to book him on a podcast.
2: Great, great. I'm so on board with this. It's going to be great. All
1: I do is call up GMs and ask for process, but I do it in print, so it's fine.
2: This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at Ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago,
0: Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, let's move on to Steelers Ravens. Steelers 16, Ravens 13. Um, this, this was basically a perfect Ben Roethlisberger game. Um, the fourth down, the <laughs> throw to Ray Ray McLeod didn't even look like a football play. Didn't even look like they had called it a play. It looked like it was just kind of Ben just doing, just doing his things like hologram Ben Roethlisberger out there. Um, wow. This was, um, this was exactly the way the Steelers had to get to the playoffs. What'd you think, Nora?
2: I I I don't want to participate in this.
1: You're done. You're done with the Steelers talk. Um, I will say this is that we should have figured out, like Ben Roethlisberger, when he's hurt, he just pops up and he somehow throws like three more touchdown passes. All of this stuff, right? Like this, the only time he unlocks his true power is when he just hits rock bottom and just kind of gets, you know, as I've talked about before, the dead cat bounce. We should have seen how much power he was going to get from literally, literally retiring. Like that—that that is the <laughs> ultimate Ben Roethlisberger. And you know what? Now, I now he's going to be like, hey, I might have, might have some some more time in me. I don't know. I don't if know. Ben Roethlisberger
2: Do you... does not retire. It will be the funniest thing. He has hasn't ever. officially retired. Sports.
1: He hasn't officially retired. He just said he thought it was going to be his last game at Heinz Field. He still got it, baby.
2: They could move. They could. They could pull a Colts. Get up. Like in the technically,
1: dead night, that last dri- that last scoring drive in
3: overtime was like similar to the the Chargers' last drive in regulation, but it was like
1: a far less extreme version. It was the worst possible. Right. If you had just taken the Chargers where it's just like barely getting the first down, making every play only when you have to, it was that, except it was the least aesthetically pleasing thing I've ever seen. It got the job done, but it was the exact opposite as far as watchability.
2: Could they loan Justin Herbert to Pittsburgh?
1: You don't want that. You don't want to see that. This team is built for Ben Roethlisberger falling down for a four four-yard gain. Okay. I I'm 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 in on this on one last ride for Big Ben. Um, what <laughs> Steven, what did you think about this game? So the uh 21 of Ben's completions were between zero and nine yards. We kind of know what game he's gonna play now. Um Firemouth had nine targets today, 53 yards, caught six balls. Like we kind of know what this looks like right now. Um, you said they were canceled earlier, but what do you think of them today? I mean, I
3: think the defense is still still has that a game. I I mean, Tyler Huntley probably had a lot to do with it today, but I don't. Why are we even talking about the Steelers? They're playing the Chiefs
1: next week. Well, they won. They won. They made the playoffs.
2: They're in the NFL playoffs. But I I but I'm too. Sorry, to... I'm
1: sorry. We're going back to the wins. are not a a team stat thing here. Like they made the playoffs. This is the
3: best argument against wins not matter the
1: Steelers <laughs> have made the playoffs two
3: years in a row and they're going to get blown out in the wildcard round for a second straight year like who wants this can we they should bow out gracefully and allow the Chargers to take their spot they
1: should decline like just, a like a college yeah like a college suicide board. opt out I think this is this is massive disrespect to the Steelers <laughs> to Steelers culture one thing I'll say and maybe I haven't noticed maybe because they're just not online the Steelers have you know how the Miami Heat fans do the Heat culture thing and they just say yeah. everything is because of culture. The Steelers have a legitimate argument and path to do that, and they don't. And I think that's admirable. But like, they could I just talk about Steelers culture all the time because they really do have something. Mike Tomlin is one hundred fifty-four and eighty-five, and like no, Mike Tomlin more... is
2: amazing. Mike Tomlin amazing.
1: is amazing. Kevin Colbert, who by the way sounds like he's retiring, he's amazing. Like they just figure things out every single year, and that's why I'm actually I'm more respectful. Of the fact that they make the playoffs every year so they that it is better than a bunch of other teams who don't make the playoffs. We spent the entire off-season, an entire season talking about Frank. going back to it, we talked about Brandon Staley. How much if you were to just compare how much we talked about Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert on this podcast versus how much we talked about the Steelers, it would probably be ludicrous. Same with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz and Chris Ballard and all those guys. We talk about them, we think they're the shiny new thing, and then Mike Tomlin coaches them up. Ben Roethlisberger throws a four yard out to Deontay Johnson, limps towards everything. Like he, I, I just, you know, he looks ridiculous in his face mask and then he wins. Like, sorry. Yeah. everyone completely
2: agree with you. It's just that the, the other side of the same coin that you are so wonderfully spelling out is that nobody wants to watch this quarterback throw 44 times in a game right now. And oh, guess who could have solved that, that
1: problem? The teams we mentioned who kept losing, <laughs> put it on them.
3: A lot of people say that Belichick would win, should win Coach of the Year every year, but I think Tomlin should
1: win it every year.
2: Yeah. Oh, that man is owed like six.
1: Right. Has, Has he ever won?
2: It? Coach of the Year awards.
1: Well, he should win yes. for the for balancing out the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, right. Ben Roethlisberger years. He he they get they've got I mean they didn't have a ton of success there um, relative to the talent, but man, we didn't hear a lot of stories about those guys. So they won nine games with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> He's a good coach. And he goes he and he went on flying coach. He's also a podcaster. How do you feel about that, Ruiz? Is he under respect now? He's no Staley.
2: <laughs> Was Michael Schran actually upset because TJ Watt tied his sack record?
1: What let's go through this so that he had a he, watch, he but then credited he didn't with, get it, yeah, but then they, he they did took get it away, it. right?
2: But then he just but, got another sack because right.
1: they were so bl- they, he tied really it. Yeah, how do you guys feel about the 17 game record thing? I don't care because we didn't do this with 14 games. I'm,
2: I don't care. So, either. Well, so, here's the thing I like do kind of care because it's just it's just incorrect, like doing this accomplishing x in more games is less impressive than doing so in x minus one games at the same time players get injured we have to deal with that not everybody plays the same amount of games every season also there is no alternative uh there are 17 games now and we're just going to have to carry on so in like three years no one's going to pay attention but i do like it's the math is wrong
3: I don't recognize any records before 2000 anyway. Like, I don't, like, cornerbacks were running, like, four eight forties. <laughs> <laughs> like, Deacon Jones probably has the sack record, but he was, like, going up against tackles that were
1: built like me. Right. So I don't care. Is there a record you, you're just like, this is a legitimate record? Is there a record you really care about? In, in football? No. Yeah. Or, yeah, not at all.
3: Like I, I like, said,
1: records don't matter. I like Dan Marino's 1984 because that was like untouchable wins. for a while. Yeah, I think it's still in the top 10. It's kind of an enduring power of that year, but anything else, it's fine. Oh, yeah.
3: Dan Marino is the only season before 2000 that should count and that we should respect. Dan Marino in 1984, was it his second year in the league when he threw 48 mm-hmm. touchdowns or whatever? Amazing. Guys, he, he belongs, but everyone I else. I
2: think we need a disclaimer on this podcast.
1: Did we do some Marino talk?
2: Just
1: that some things were said. Marino is amazing. That's not a hot take. That's, tr- right. that's,
2: that's true. Um, speaking that's
1: of the true. Dolphins, let's, let's move on to the Dolphins <laughs> beating the Patriots. Um, so Brian Flores owns Bill Belichick. He's 4-2 and two against Bill Belichick. Uh, is the best record of any coach in the Belichick era going against the Patriots. Nor- you know both of these men. Why does Flores own Bill Belichick?
2: So the best answer I have for that is that he and to an extent Mike Vrabel just don't really care. Like I there's never been a moment where I've perceived in either one of those guys. Do you that do you count like,
1: Mike Vrabel in the in the tree?
2: Um I don't not really in the country Actually, yeah, I kind of do Okay, because everybody just like Bill is a big influence on people, but I do think that one, and this is not his fault at all. There is a track record where guys who, who work with him for a long time, like it gets in their heads and they try to be like Bill and no one can do that. And it's bad. I I do think that the, um, the thread between. Vrabel and Flores is actually twofold. One, I don't think that either one of those guys is, is trying to be anybody but themselves. The other one is that they were good communicators. Um, one thing that tied together two prior Belichick assistants who uh, coached the New York Giants and at one point coached the Detroit Lions before they went there is that they were not great public communicators. And that was something that I tried to be very sort of skeptical about mattering before they took those jobs, because it really doesn't matter that much if the media likes you. And that's the type of thing that people can really, really overreact to is like, oh, that guy said my name all the time in press conferences. He must be so great. But with Flores and and I didn't interact with Rabel as much because he was before my time. Um, But particularly with Flores, He's just like very good with people. And if you interact with someone enough, you kind of get a sense of if they're good with people or not. And I think we should acknowledge that that matters. Uh, Why the Patriots lose every time they have to play in Southern Florida, I don't really know. I genuinely think they might think that it has to do with the heat. Um, I believe there were some reports that they were trying to uh, use their practice facility and like crank up the heat when they were practicing for this game. Um, they've lost some weird games like in Jacksonville too, uh, at various points in the last few years. So I I wonder if that might have something to do with it, but it's, it's pretty inexplicable. It's weird. They've lost a lot of games down there.
1: Are you worried, Steven, about the Patriots? Uh,
3: I'm not worried just because I haven't had much faith in this team all season long. I mean, the Mm. three of the last four games that have mattered, they haven't been competitive or they haven't been very competitive i guess you can say they were competitive in the the Bills game it was close till the fourth quarter but oh man i think mac whether he hit a wall or maybe teams just got film on him but some some just wrong. he's just not playing well right now like even today he wasn't playing well and i don't know how you win in the playoffs against the quarterbacks that are in that conference like burrow allen uh mahomes sure. i just don't see it even like Tannehill, I don't know if they can, if he can go throw for throw. Uh oh. Uh oh. Guess that's he's on a the
1: bandwagon?
2: Wait, I have a question. We were talking about the Colts a few weeks ago and said the Colts seem like they're the team that people thought the Patriots were. The Colts now no longer seem to be that team. Mm-hmm. Which team is the team we thought the Colts were, which was actually the team we thought the Patriots were? It, it's, and it is Niners. the Titans.
3: Oh, It's it's, the
1: Chiefs. It's also the Niners. The Chiefs
3: are the team nobody wants to play.
1: Well, that's true, but that was always true.
2: Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a different thing. I think it was like the, okay, the quarterback's not so flashy, but they can win in a bunch of different ways, and they're more trustworthy than they seem like they should be. I kind of think it's the Titans.
1: It's true. Maybe. Stephen or it's the Niners. The if, if we're switching conferences. it's the 49ers. It's the Niners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the Niners. So, Mac Jones has not had. So, in his last five games, leaving out the Jacksonville game. So, Mac Jones has had. Has not had more touchdowns and interceptions than four of his last five. And, and the five was the aforementioned 50 to 10 Jacksonville game. Um, I agree, Steven. I, I think hitting the rookie wall can be overrated only in. But I I do think there's some validity to it in the sense of the length of the season. You've never done anything close to it. And now that's only going to be heightened because it's it's 18 weeks instead of 17 weeks and you're already you're playing a 14 week you know I, I understand that when you play at Alabama you're playing a national championship game that's longer but it's not like you're practicing every single day for that long I mean there's a break there you, you basically get a month off between the SEC championship game and the national championship game so it's a little different of a college experience than most quarterbacks but it's still it's not analogous to an NFL season as close as as Saban is to Belichick's practices it's not going to be the same it's going to be a grind so I, I think there's probably some of that but I also think that that there will be they'll be able to refocus in the next in the next week or so. And I, I don't I, 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 I don't have a ton of confidence in this team. Um, but I do think they can they can they can beat the Bills. Oh, you think they can beat the Bills? I mean I think they can beat the Bills. I wouldn't necessarily I think, pick the Bills. I'm sorry if but there's
3: but if there's fifty miles per hour win, I think they can beat the Bills. But that game <laughs> that second game, I don't think it would it just looked like two different sports the quarterbacks were playing. And unless Josh Allen, who hasn't been playing well for the last two weeks, to be fair, but unless Josh Allen has, like, a Carson Wentz-level meltdown, I don't know. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard.
2: Yeah, I also, I mean, Allen is not not riding, like, an immense hot streak, but they've started running him more. Mm -hmm. A lot of the Patriots defenders who were, uh, some of the guys in that secondary can still be pretty nasty, but, like. Judon has not had his best games the last couple of games. They uh, Christian Barmore got hurt in this game. Uh, I'm worried about the stress of a Josh Allen who's figured out that he should run around a bunch against that defense at, at this point. I don't. I don't think that's like a, a nice matchup for them
1: at all. I lean. I lean Bills.
3: Belichick has historically had problems against mobile quarterbacks, especially of late in the modern NFL when teams have like realize how to use those mobile quarterbacks so that like if they played the Bengals I think they would have had a chance to win I probably would have picked them but the Bills I just think were the worst matchup outside of the Chiefs obviously
1: so we've talked about every single playoff game except Eagles Bucks so let's just get to that quickly um, any strong any, any thoughts on the Eagles as a potential spoiler or is it kind of over
3: I think the Eagles might be able to keep it close like in the same way that Washington did last year against the Bucks in the wild Card game this Bucks run defense isn't what it used to be, especially with Levante David out. And mm-hmm. this is an offense that puts a lot of pressure on your linebackers and forces them to be disciplined. And Devin White is not a disciplined linebacker at all. He flies around the ball and makes plays, but discipline is not his thing. And that run defense has fallen off a cliff since David went out. So I think the Eagles do have a chance
1: or anything.
2: Yeah. The I mean, Eagles. also just like it seems like Tampa continues to get more and more. Hurt, like last week's Cyril Grayson is now banked up. So I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> if you don't what, have Cyril. Um,
1: is there any, if you, are you guys, if you had to put one team on upset watch next week, who would you pick? Like if you have to bet, you, you, we're, we're cow- betting, we're betting your money. I,
2: I know I said I would kick them, but I think kick them, <laughs> pick them. It's late. Uh, but I think the Cowboys.
1: Yeah,
3: I'm going Cowboys.
1: Hmm. Cowboys and upset alert. I kind of like that. Um, all right, guys. Who are you well, putting on upset alert, Kevin? The Bills. Even though that's kind of a cop out because it's not even that, like the seating isn't even. I mean, the Patriots beat the Bills earlier this year. They, they split the season series. So it's not, it's not crazy. Um, I would not be. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked by Cardinals over Rams as well. I think Stafford's making some real weird plays over the past two months. And I just think that that, that can happen twice in a playoff game and then the entire, the entire thing changes. It doesn't need to happen a lot. I know, I know Steven doesn't think interceptions matter because they, they're downfield.
2: Nothing but, matters. Know.
1: Process yeah. over results. Process over results. <laughs> I know that
2: wins are not a team stat, but ties you know are.
1: No, Steven is, now, Steven is now, his camp is now quarterback stats are not a quarterback stat. No,
3: oh, I've but been today, there That's what we've
1: graduated to. Quarterback stats are a team stats. Quarterback wins are fake. Wins are fake. That's actually kind of Quarterback true. stats are not quarterback stats.
3: Nothing matters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Chaos! So we'll be back on Saturday, us three. Uh, me, Nora, and Steven will be back on Saturday to break down half of those playoff games. Ben. We'll join Nora and I next Sunday to break down those games. Next up on this feed on Tuesday is Jason Goff, James Jones, Rancher Azir with the Tuesday Players Pod. Nora and I will be here on Wednesday joining Forces with Mallory for a Wednesday show. that will be really, really cool. Steven's Ooh. back on Friday with Ben and Kaelin to preview Wild Card Weekend. I'll have a slow news day out later this week. Don't know who's on it. Haven't really asked anybody. I'm traveling, but I'm sure it'll be great. Thank you to Nora and Steven. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely for his production help on this episode, with additional production supervision by Arjuna Ramkapal. This has been the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network.